Welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast championing a very special coronavirus Olympic Games in Japan this year. We just love to see the 50 metre phlegm jump. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing this supposedly polarising NRL ad campaign, a second team in Brisbane and what that will look like. We also have a very special treat in Nathan Blacklock, sitting down and having a quick chat about his career with the show. But first, I'm joined in the operating theatre for Bernie Sanders' latest triple bypass operation by the only man whose movie tastes are so niche, he once recommended Craig McLaughlin's portrayal of Stuart Diver in the 2002 TV movie Heroes Mountain as a must-see flick. It's Xander Risotto. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, mate. My, my movie tastes aren't that niche. They're not remotely niche, in fact. I think, if anything, they're probably a little bit too mainstream these days. You've turned into a pleb, have you? Yeah, I have. I've, 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 I even watched the last Avengers movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's almost a war crime these days. Yeah, it was painful. i got to admit, it probably was an argument for not being too mainstream. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny you liked that Stuart Diver one, because um, a lot of people actually like to see Craig McLaughlin buried by a landslide these days. <laughs> And rightly so, frankly. <laughs> Mate, but he's innocent till proven guilty. But by the way, did you know that actually that movie had an alternative name? No, I did not. It was Threadbow versus Predator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but how's your week, mate? Obviously, we're a little bit late, and apologies to the listeners. We didn't come out here uh, on our usual Wednesday stroke Thursday time slot. Uh, but that's because you've been uh, stricken with uh, a lurgy, which we're hoping wasn't coronavirus, but it's been unconfirmed, hasn't it? No, I mean, I, I went to see a doctor, so it has been confirmed. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, it is, that it is coronavirus? That, is, that it's not coronavirus. Oh, but fantastic. It, it was funny. I sounded a lot worse than this last Monday, and I thought, oh, I'll just go away after a couple of days. It just got worse and worse. Mm. You sound a bit like Darren Lockyer as he's been kicked in the balls. No, that's what I sounded like on Monday. Well, no, you, <laughs> you certainly got shades of it still. <laughs> but I remember turning up to, to work and, like, jumping into my team meeting and... and uh, just like kicking off on a couple of things and everyone just like basically painted the walls with themselves, you know, like they were right up against it and keeping as far away from me as possible. Oh, wow. And, so you became the office pariah. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll work from home the rest of the week, I guess. Mm. Did, they, did they ever feel tempted to make you the bubble boy like a la Seinfeld and just sort of plaster you into the corner of the room it with a felt a little pla- bit like that i mean the the entire floor i work on felt more or less vacated after people heard my voice well you know we talk about this covid19 outbreak mate but you know we always talk about the losers the media gets fixated on the losers but of course there are many winners and i think sorbent tissue for example is a winner uh their sales have spiked particularly in wollstonecraft in sydney i don't know why I, that is i did read that yeah wollstonecraft for some reason i mean they must have a shitload yeah. of diarrhea going on there or something but uh, An- another group though i mean it's it's not just the toilet paper but i reckon there's there's a there's a whole raft of new talent potentially for their wwe or or ufc you know all kinds of smackdown going on in the aisles of the woolworths and coles of the world it is and yeah. it, you know what i love They're the kind of people doing battle in a supermarket that you wouldn't typically find doing battle like typically i don't know if you notice this but they tend to be middle-aged and quite obese 
they're the people getting the most frantic about running it, out of toilet paper. It does seem to be. There, there definitely is a bit of that, isn't there? Mm. The, the videotape I've seen tends to tends to sort of gear toward that. And what's funny is that they've had interviews with people about it, about why they're doing it, and they all they all deny that they're panic buying. <laughs> I normally get fifty fucking things, mate. <laughs> was, I want. I need these. Like, oh, I need these. You know, I just haven't had a chance to come to the shops in a while. I don't want to have to come again. And you're like. <laughs> Do you normally buy a trolley's worth of toilet paper? Yeah, you're normally buying for the decade? Is that what you normally do? That seems odd. One, one of the, the funny things, and apparently it's a global phenomenon, um, like I, I wanted to get paper towels the other day, they were all fucking sold out too. Uh, but you know, people have made the point that um, you know, if you don't have food, you won't have anything to shit. That's true, actually, isn't it? <laughs> you'll, like, be, you'll be absolutely fine. Maybe get some fucking canned soup while you're at it. There, There is just something kind of humiliating about getting into a, 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 a scuffle over toilet paper. I, I, I genuinely would sooner go without toilet paper and self-bidet over a sink than get into a fight over a toilet <laughs> <laughs> Manual bidet. Cheryl, get the, get the garden hose for me, please. <laughs> Feed it through. Like, I'm not, even, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not even kidding. I actually think that is less humiliating than getting into a fight over toilet paper. Okay, I'm going to pitch these two scenarios at you then. You're in the town square, okay? You're, you're doing the old all six headlock, a la a lot of these videos that have been viral. <laughs> or you've got a garden hose up your ass washing the shit away. What would you prefer? Absolutely the garden hose. <laughs> okay, well, it's good to know. I don't know if you don't. For me personally, I have no fear of running out of toilet paper. Can you ask me why? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just was slightly disturbed by that. But why, Eamon? Why, why are you not concerned about running out of toilet paper? <laughs> no, the reason I am not worried about running out of loo paper is because I've got several emergency Queensland State of Origin jerseys in the wardrobe, obviously. <laughs> so I'm sorted. You know what? With the build-up, definitely a shit joke. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. Uh, now, before we take a quick tap, Xander, and crack on with the show, just a reminder to our listeners, you can follow us on the handle at Voluntary Tackle on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you have any questions for us, please shoot them our way on the hashtag AskTVT, and we will gladly discuss your thoughts on the show, no matter how obscure or our From Home and Away related. A reminder, we'll also have a special Q&A episode dropping any day now, so keep your eyes peeled for that one. Actually, don't literally peel your eyes. That sounds a bit dangerous, doesn't it, Xander? Maybe just dice and pickle them. So first up on the show, Xander, I thought we might just have a little bit of a chat about the NRL promo, seeing as that sort of happened in the last couple of days and a lot of people are chatting about it. So I thought it probably is pertinent that we have a bit of a chat about it as well. Now, I'm going to be charitable and say this was met with mixed reviews, uh, with the small mix being very news limited related, I've mm. noticed. What were your impressions of the new ad campaign first? Yeah, it, it's, it's a classic one of those things that um, strikes me in as being driven by driven by media and, and, and the social media age, I, I think I'd probably put it. I remember when it first dropped, you flicked it my way and we both said, oh, that's a great ad. We didn't really think twice about it. We're like, it's a really, really cleverly pulled together. It's, it's about footy and about, you know, the way footy touches people's lives. It's about the game, you know, uh, being for everybody and, um, you know, taking pride in all the different groups that, um, you know, that make up rugby league and, and have made the game, game great. And it was just weird. I mean, it didn't occur to us initially, I think it's probably fair to say, that this had upset people. No, it didn't even cross my yeah. mind. So when Paul Kent savaged the ad calling it a tick box exercise or whatever it was, I didn't even see that coming. I just didn't think it was very overt, mm. to be completely honest. 
I think there's more merit to the criticism that it may not have contained as much action sequence, even though I actually disagree with that, but there's more merit to that argument. But to call it uh, sort of cynical tick-boxing mm. exercise seems a bit weird. There was a, a good line about it, I remember actually said, you know, the same people who, who are really upset about this are the, the kind, kind of the same people that get really worked up about Greta Thunberg. You know what I mean? Like There's a connection. Yeah, like it's, 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 they're, they're looking for stuff to be really angry about, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're going out of their way to be upset. They're kind of like the, the alt-right snowflakes, if you will. Nothing is ever quite conservative enough for them. I'm assuming the whole idea was to actually invoke the last 30 years of history. Obviously, yeah. you know, the first time Tina Turner did this ad was in 1989, 1990. I think there was a back-to-back campaign. And it was all about what has happened and shaped the game in the last 30 years. So that's a really difficult challenge when you think about it. Lots happened in 30 years. Mm. A lot of fans aren't 30 years old, so they wouldn't even be aware of a lot of this history. So to pack that all into you know a minute-long ad is really difficult. So it is a challenge, but I thought they actually did it with a deft touch. Yeah. And, and yeah. I love the idea of even it wasn't about replication, mm. which would be an easy route to go down. We'll talk about that. looks like Fox might have done that to some degree. Um, but it was about taking the tropes of that Tina Turner campaign and saying, how do we contemporise it and make it a little bit more meaningful? And I thought they did it quite well. No, I, I agree. I mean, and, and again, that's probably why it didn't occur to me that this would upset people. I mean, there were four frames, as far as I could tell, that were really causing consternation amongst, as I said, these uh, alt-right snowflakes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like it, the You've rest... You've been dying of, to say that, haven't you? Yeah, it just, it just shits me. It's just like, get a fucking life, really. The majority of the ad are, you know, just big events over the last 30 years. And, and like, whether you like it or not, like, things... Things like women playing Origin, um, you know, like the the changing environment around, um, like the, the game's inclusiveness, and they're all they're all important things that have happened in the last thirty years, and and you know they they have. Uh, things like the Super League war in there, Souths being booted from the comp and, and the, the social movement to get them back. All of these things happened and and do contribute to the story of rugby league and I think they're all pivotal moments. You're right. I think that's actually the, a great word to use, story, right? Because that's essentially what this was. It was trying to tell the story of the game over the last 30 years and for good and for bad, what has shaped it. And, you know, things like Super League. I think if you were to leave that out of that story, it would be a bit of a glaring omission, obviously. it's It has shaped our game. And it was a chapter in history that was quite acrimonious and there was a lot of negatives to come out of it. There were obviously a rationalisation of the teams. But you probably could argue on the other side of the coin that it's left the game in better shape in a weird way, that maybe it, it, it needed to have that weird clean out. Probably not in the manner it had to happen, mm. um, but it's probably put us on a better trajectory now in the longer term. Uh, it's an interesting interesting thought experiment. I I mean, I often wonder if, if the Super League war hadn't happened and the game had just grown organically, I don't know. It might have, um, yeah. But I guess the point being, it's best not to ignore it, and mm. I thought it was great. It was quite brave that the campaign yeah. uh, dared to it, actually broach that topic, so I thought that was quite good. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think you, like it was such a huge thing. Like, you know, we, we lived through it, and it was, at the time, people were thinking the game wasn't going to be around for another like few years. That's I mean, right. It was, it was pretty bloody serious, you know? And, you know, a lot of people have complained about uh, the appearance of Macklemore and, <laughs> you know, he was on there for, I think, half a frame. But yeah. if we look back at the original ad, here's my thing. Like, Tina Turner and the guy playing the saxophone, I think, took up a third of the original yeah, campaign. Right. And the Macklemore situation, that was just a moment in time as well that showed the, the game is broadening its approach. I think that's all that was in for. And it was half a frame, wasn't it? Yeah, again, I, I, this is why, why I just did not see how... This, this, <laughs> not even this, a fan of Macklemore. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I didn't even know who he was. I'm, <laughs> I, like, I'm not, I don't listen to a ton of, you know, uh, radio and music, so I didn't really know. But I'm like, 
yeah, fine. You know, <laughs> he's in there. He's um he's got a a message of of inclusion and 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 things like that. This don't have any issue with it. Certainly, certainly not something I would get upset about or spend time uh, you know rage tweeting about, for example. <laughs> rage tweeting, I love the term. A- another common criticism, Xander, was that there wasn't enough action. We alluded to that earlier. I think some people simply wanted a reboot of the original mm. uh, with modern players. Uh, could that have been a path that the NRL went down as opposed to this, just having, uh, I guess, just rebirthing it but with modern players? Yeah, the equivalent of a, um, what do they call it in Hollywood, a soft reboot. Yeah, exactly. Um, where you where you basically just run the same story. Uh, I think that would have been boring. I think that would have that wouldn't have been very interesting. I don't actually think it would have really resonated. It would probably just would have passed by and no one would have noticed it. I heard a guy on Triple M. A guy called in and said, "I didn't like the ad because it should have had more old players like Steve Mortimer." And I remember thinking, I think he retired before the original yeah, Tina Turner. Just like, ad. <laughs> Steve Mortimer. Like, I mean, how random would it's that be? Prior like, to the NRL era. <laughs> I thought there should have been more Dally Messenger. (laughs) It it really lacked a lot of grainy black and white for me. Yeah, no. I guess the the major criticism or the focal point Mm. seemed to be around Latrell Mitchell being draped in the Aboriginal flag. I guess to me, uh, probably portrayed a bit more of a sinister critique of the campaign. I thought for anyone to have an objection to an Indigenous person draped in a flag and calling it political seemed a bit weird to me. I, I don't understand really why people would be getting upset about that. And as Roosters fans, so you could you could fairly say at this point uh, are harbouring our own grudge against Luttrell. Um, <laughs> I, I did not have any issue with that whatsoever. I thought that was, I actually thought that was a good recognition of the position he's taken as an Indigenous um, star of the game uh, in the Indigenous All-Stars this year and the, I think, mature and, and um, strong response he's had uh, to racist trolling. I thought that was actually a nice moment. And it was actually, from an artistic point of view, I actually quite like the fact that that scene broke up mm. um, the tune and it kind of it created a little bit of a... It magnified the moment a little bit. Yeah. Which was quite good. Um, there also were some factual inaccuracies um, in the original version, which have since been edited out. Having the Trebojevic brothers... I think it was in 96, yeah. uh, when I think it's the same year that Tom was born. There was another factual inaccuracy which annoyed me, which they haven't removed, and I found it quite annoying. It was a reference to South being the pride of the league. They left yeah, that in, which I was know. really irritating. Um, not, a, not a big fan of that. Did you think all the teams get evenly represented? This is always another argument that comes across with every NRL promo at the beginning of the season. You know, everyone's looking through their the coloured glasses of their own team. Do you think that every team was fairly represented in this one? No, um. They absolutely weren't. Malcolm Knox made that point in uh, the SMH. You get a very definite opinion. Yeah. I wasn't prepared for that. Well, he, he, you know, uh, Malcolm Knox in, in the SMH had uh, basically uh, drilled down into how much time every team got. And Do you he think Malcolm out, Knox has too much time on his own hands? <laughs> well, he, he actually said that the two sides that got the most coverage in the ad were Souths and Newcastle. And okay. that the uh, most successful teams over the past um, 20-odd years basically just got um, flickers of coverage like the Roosters and the Storm. You see, that wasn't really super noticeable to me. I have to. I, admit. I didn't. I didn't pick up on it really. But he, he he actually went through and counted the seconds. Yeah, and I think that's maybe the wrong approach yeah. uh, for me. Anyway, I just think that you know it's not about even representation of time in these mm. things. It's about, um, I guess, on balance, looking at the moments and the way each team is portrayed. So, if, I think about Parramatta, for example. I don't think they had a huge amount of time from memory, but. You know, Clint Gutherson walking down the tunnel and slapping the side mm. of the tunnel. If I was a Parramatta fan, that would suffice for me. I'd go, that's a great moment. I'm glad I'm in this ad. And and the Roosters likewise. Okay, we didn't get a lot of screen time. But, 
you know, the moment of us celebrating the NRL Grand Final win. I mean, it, it had was a, just great. Had a couple of it had um, had the Roosters lifting the trophy. I mean, yeah, they could have picked from a number for for that one. Right, obviously, no. I would have um, liked to have seen uh, I don't know the last five. Yeah, that would have been amazing. <laughs> just on loop. They also had a nice moment where they did a bit of a nod to like the, the fan involvement in the game as well, and I, I like the fact that they showed that uh, mural on the, the side of the house in yeah um, Council in Waverley. Street. Yeah. yeah, which which is really cool. Artie beats it. Yeah, yeah. and and obviously Freddie Fittler and Fitzy. They're, they're, that's yeah, actually yeah. exactly don't don't leave uh, the count out of it. That you raise a really great point there, and that's the one I also wanted to mention was the fact that this campaign took, and it seems to have been lost in a lot of the white noise here. This campaign took a very decidedly fan based approach, and I actually loved that. If you look at the original campaign, it's not so much about a focus on the lens of the fans, mm. which is fine, but the evolution of the game it was clearly trying to talk to fans. And a lot of these great moments viewed mm. through their prism, their perspective, I thought that was a brilliant touch. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so as well. And it, it's funny, it actually kind of, uh, watching it, it made me think of how it compared to the That's My Theme, That's My Team uh, campaign. Yeah, which, which was, was also a great campaign, which, actually. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I actually didn't like it. I, there was oh, something, really? I never liked that song. Uh, so the I, Hoodoo Guru. Yeah, so, so I, always, I always found it irritating. And I thought, this is a much better way to, do, to, to, <laughs> to sell that message and also cover the game. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah. A sign if a, a campaign's been effective is the fact that we remember that campaign. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I remembered it for different reasons. Because you, know, <laughs> you like, fucking hated it. Like, <laughs> it was just, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, it was a bit of an earworm for me. And I'm like, I hate that song. <laughs> was it the fact that he had that sort of elongated tone? That's my team. That, you did that bit in particular? <sighs> I, I, I literally just hurt you, just, which is bad because you're not in great shape at the moment. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now, Xander, we can't uh, leave this discussion without talking about uh, what Fox News released. Now, Fox put out their own version of an NRL campaign. Uh, we've had a, the opportunity to have a look at that this morning. Uh, interesting. It's got Barnsley, and this is the most interesting part for me, in the ruins of the Sydney Football Stadium. What was your take? Because I certainly have some decided thoughts on this it one. Was, it, was, it was almost beyond satire. I mean, first of all, it was put up on, on social by The Telegraph, commending Fox for a great job, which I think I, I put uh, on my account. I said it's, it's kind of the, the media equivalent of a Twitter user congratulating themselves for a tweet via a sock puppet account. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? Like, it's someone... Great re- job, me! Um, <laughs> someone retweeting their own retweet. Yeah, you know, and you're just like... Oh. So it, it, was, it, it started off with, with proverbial masturbation of the highest order from Fox on Fox. But like the actual ad campaign itself was just... It, it, it came across as kind of immature at, at the same time as being unintentionally ironic. Barnsley, you know, iconic uh, Australian, well, Scottish Australian, but still, uh, Australian artist that he is, having him placed at the centre of an ongoing debacle for the NRL and the state government just, to me, was hilarious. I mean, they made a lot of complaints, News Limited, about not having enough action mm. in there. I mean, this was a lot of Barnsley. Yeah, I mean, getting back to my earlier comment about watching trash movies, it looked a little bit like the Avengers Endgame. <laughs> like, it was just for, just, it was just weird. Like, they, they talked about the need to have more action. Half of that ad was basically dirt swirling around. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it looked quite fake, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a little bit like, you know, sometimes you see um, on, on YouTube people who don't like the endings of movies, like they make like a fan version mm. of how they want the movie fan to... Fan fiction. Yeah, like, and it's just like really poorly acted and slapped together. It was Jimmy Barnes meets The Matrix 3. <laughs> it was awful. Um, and look, nothing against Barnsley. I'm actually a fan of him. It's not really a critique of him, but for them to have placed it in the ruins of the Sydney Football Stadium, I didn't really know what they were trying to get at there. 
I yeah, mean, I, apart from being completely satirical, which I, I don't think they were trying to. I, I think they were trying to say, oh, this is the site of where a lot of these great you know, matches have happened. But for the last 20 years, all the grand finals have been at ANZ Stadium. So what are you doing there? And I mean, do people really take stock in the site? Because when it hasn't got the grass on it, yeah. it doesn't seem to have the same effect. Like it, was, it was, you know, the SFS was the site of all the, the big moments in the game. But, you know, for over 20 years, a generation for the existence of the NRL, it hasn't been. So why put it there? It was just, to me, I was just, I, I, I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, are these people thick? I, I thought it was a great metaphor for the ad itself because clearly um, its ad was a bit of a construction site. <laughs> I think it was all whacked together in a very short space of time to the point where the CGI, as you said, looked uh, fake. But what I really didn't like was the fact that News Limited had tweeted this out saying, now this is what an NRL ad should yeah, look like. Yeah, I guess maybe they know they're preaching to the choir, but when I looked at it, I'm like, it just, it just looks so pathetic. Well, here at The Voluntary Tackle, we like to please everyone if we can, which is why we can direct any fan who was not pleased with the NRL promo to an alternative video on YouTube. Just type in the search terms, Paul Hogan bangs voluptuous blonde broad. More after this. Well, The Voluntary Tackle is very privileged to have yet another rugby league legend to sit down and chat with on the show. The man on the other end of the phone is one of St George Illawarra Dragons' favourite sons. A try-scoring freak who notched up 121 tries in only 142 games and scoring a further 33 tries for Hull FC in the UK. It is our absolute pleasure to welcome Nathan Blacklock to the podcast. Thanks for coming on, Nathan. Oh, no, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> mate, it's our pleasure. Look, uh, I thought you'd be a great person to have a chat with, mate, because we are obviously ramping into the season. But with the NRL, obviously, it, it is great at uh, courting a lot of headlines and controversy at the same time. We've had a bit of a chat on the show today about the, the campaign. We personally love it. What did you think of the new NRL launch promo? Oh, mate, it's just great that Wolverton turn a song back. You know, it is, and I guess it's, it's a far different film clip compared to uh, to the first time we come out. But in saying that, like, people got to move with the times. Like, you know, if there's an opportunity out there where, um, you know, they capture all cultures that are playing the rugby league game, you've got to do that. And some people, uh, they disagree with it. But, you know, it's, everyone has an opinion. Uh, it just, it's, it's actually up to the individual whether they want to, you know, let their opinion affect them or not. But, me personally, I just made all that rugby league, and these guys are taking that away from uh, from what it actually is all about. You know, about bringing Tina Turner's song back, and you know they're looking at the political side of things, um, which says you know it's diverse, it's you know dividing us as as you know, as, as a country. But in the, the day, it's all about rugby league. I love that attitude, Nathan, and we have very similar thoughts on it, to be honest. I, I didn't even see anything political about the ad, personally. I just thought it was a, a great ad with, you know, some, some great imagery and it, and it really captured the last 30 years. What did you make of Latrell Mitchell uh, with the Aboriginal flag around him? We thought it was fantastic. What were your thoughts on that? Oh, mate, you, you got Latrell wrapped in the flag. But also, I think you got one of the other players, you know, wearing his, um, his mouldy T-shirt, his mouldy singlet. Um, training things that they... Uh, that he wore, you know, it's, and I'm not complaining about that, you know, and, and then all due respect, you know, I'm, I'm glad the guys out there, you know, representing their, their culture, uh, Pro League, and it, it, it comes from the guys that actually started the, you know, did, did all the filming and that, they, they're the ones that approve it, 
You know, it's on TV. It's just there are other voices out there that, that they always want controversy. That's how they make news. That's mm. how they get in the headlines. They make controversy about stuff. And I guess with the headlines, people just want to be in the headlines by by controversy. That's the only way they're going to get 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 into the get into the news. The only way they're going to be make the headlines. People are looking for attention, and the only way they're going to do that, they're going to try and some controversy in something so little as this that they'll blow it up into something so big. Yeah, you're right. It did seem like it was a, a bit cynically uh, divisive from uh, a couple of the guys at News Limited, I thought. Were you a fan of the original Tina Turner campaign, Nathan? No, I used to watch it all the time. <laughs> How good is it? Oh, well, the kid, yeah. It was, it was so good. Are you proud for the NRL sticking to their guns? Obviously, there was a, a, you know, a bit of a backlash, but it seems as though very few of the promotion was actually edited. Were you proud of the NRL for sticking to their guns on that one? Absolutely, absolutely. Um... You know, it's just all about making decisions and sticking with it. And, yeah, look at the game, like, there, there is a high percentage of, you know, non, non-Australian and, and, you know, um, Indigenous players playing the game. And they're all from, all, 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 you know, they're from all parts of the world. You've got to acknowledge that. Absolutely. Um, mate, you're obviously a, a huge Dragons fan as well. How do you think they're going to go in 2020? I hope they're really good. Um, I really do, like, I... I have a really soft spot for the Dragons. Um, I don't really watch much league um, nowadays. Well, I watch a little bit, but I don't really sit down and, and watch many games. It just, um, yeah, sometimes it just really frustrates me. Okay. Um, seeing, seeing the way, seeing the way, seeing the way guys play and um, the way we play the game to compared to now, it, it's more about percentages and. and um, you know, wearing other teams down, there's not, not much not, not much rugby league played anymore. It's you can predict what's gonna happen in the first twenty minutes. Sorry, Nathan, uh, it's it's Xander here. So when you when you say that the way it's played, are you talking about say things like the, the wrestle? Is is that kind of what you're getting at? Oh, yeah, it's just um, you know, hit, hit up no no, you know, they they could be having an overlap. They could have an overlap mm. down the short side. And just to get to the kick and for the sake of the percentages I'll just hit one up and get to the kick yeah. and down the short side. They got an overlap. But oh, no, no. The, let's just go back to the middle, stick to percentages so we don't get in trouble in the VR session. So it's we don't get dropped, you know. That's just the way I sort of see it. But you know, I hope 2020 is a lot different this year. Yeah, it's um, you're right. There has been criticism of the game over the last few years that it's become a little bit too programmed um, and predictable. Um, what, what do you think that's down to? Uh, do you think it's it, it's the rule system or do you think it's the coaches? What What's what's the cause of that? Do you think? Oh, I just yeah, I just oh, I'd say it has to be, it has to be a, a bit of bit of both, you know, with with the coaches the way they coach. Um, with some guys the way they coach, they want to be, um, you know, they they want to get their their word across. They say play the game. They say I want you to play the game because I'm the coach. You say you're gonna play it. Um, I just remember. With the kids I help out now, with Tom Leroy Lars, met him up in Tamworthy, helping him with the 18s. And, you know, our, 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 with our guys, we, we just want to go out and play rugby league. They see an opportunity, they take it. Um, no matter what tackle it is, the first tackle, second tackle, there's an opportunity there, you take it. And if, if you're going to stuff up, you make sure you do that 100%. You don't, you don't second-guess yourself. You believe in your ability um, with the choice that you make, but be prepared. If they don't come off, be prepared to work your butt off for the team. Uh, Nathan, I also um, wanted to talk about the, the Indigenous All-Stars match. Did you manage to catch that one at all? Yeah, I did, I did, I did. I think that's... Uh, I didn't watch it all, but I did watch bits of it, yeah. 
What, what were your impressions? Because um, Xander and I are massive fans of it, especially the war cries at the beginning of the game. Do you feel it's a pretty good celebration of Indigenous culture? Oh, I think, I think it's a, a great celebration of both, you know, the, the, the Maldi culture and the Indigenous culture coming together to play a game, but also you can sort of see in the crowd where they're all coming together, sitting with each other, enjoying the game together as one. And, and that's, that's what the game's all about. Yeah, we loved it as well. Um, look, we also are Roosters fans, Nathan. We have to be completely honest about that fact. Um, and both Xander and myself are pretty dirty on the fact that uh, the Roosters let you go, mate. We know you played a couple of games uh, in the 90s before you went on to have a stellar career with the St George team. Um, can you tell us how that worked out? How did you initially play for the Chooks before heading off to the Dragons? Mate, I um, was playing back home in, uh, back home. Uh, on the weekend rugby league and I was actually playing soccer um, on Saturdays because on Sundays uh, I had to go to church so I couldn't play league on Sundays so as a kid I played soccer and then we had the old the old uh, school carnival that we played on Saturday so I both played both rugby league and soccer on the same day and 11 mile clear were in town coaching uh, oh, wow. in, in Grill and I was actually um, I play soccer in the morning I go and play Saturday afternoon rugby, second division rugby league for Tinga. So I always wanted to play for Tinga um, as a kid. And then Les sort of seen, us, seen me playing the um, weekend game. We actually won the won that weekend with our school. And he asked why I wasn't playing on Sunday. And he got to uh, a bloke by the name of Eaton Blair, Owen Craigie's uncle. Oh, right. And of course, yeah, he was actually coaching at Tinga at the time and said, mate, I want this kid in town. So actually I went in town and uh, they spoke to mum and dad about um, get me to play on the weekend uh, on Sunday if, if they'd allow it. Um, I just made sure to go to church that night. That's all. <laughs> so um, you, yeah, sa- you and, sounded uh, like a busy man, Nathan, back then. You had church, oh, soccer, and I know, I know. I was, I was playing the drums. See, I'm a drummer, so I played the drums in church. So I played drums right to yeah, as a very young age. So I love the drums. So do you still yeah, keep that up? But, Oh, mate, I, I've got the young, I've got a two-year-old now, so I, I sort of put that off for a bit. But I will definitely get a get a set in here um, when I get a chance to, mate. So nice. I've got to find a soundproof room at the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> I bet the kids make enough so, noise for you anyway. Oh, mate, my wife, he does. He does, he's a rat break, so. No, but, but, but he's, he's the best thing that happened to me, so apart from the other, other young ones. But lately, mate, he's, he's been awesome, yeah. That's great, I'm, mate. I'm not, I'm, not as hard on, I'm not as hard as him now than I was on my older bloke. Oh, okay. You're softening over the years. You're so, mellowing. I am, yeah, I am mellowing out, yeah, so, <laughs> which is good. Mate, um, but, yeah. sorry, you go. Um, yeah, no, yeah, so, and then Liz gone to Brian Canavan and uh, and the boys, uh, Brian Canavan and actually Arthur Beetson come up to visit me and convinced me to go back, to go down and at the time I didn't realise how big Artie is. <laughs> um, uh, you know, was and I, uh, you know, like the old saying that made me an offer I couldn't refuse, so I actually took it. Uh, moved to Sydney, and, and actually, right now at this moment, I'm, I'm actually working uh, with Arthur, Arthur's young son, uh, youngest boy, Christian Heffernan. So, oh wow! It's weird how it all it's all come around. Yeah, yeah, so full still circle. With, yeah, still do a bit. I do a bit with New South Wales rugby league with the coaching stuff, and um, I do a bit with New South Wales under 16s Indigenous side that they've got there. We we play. Um, Play against the Queensland side, the second game of the season. Uh, Brock has and South with a curtain raises to that. So yeah, keep yourself pretty busy back for the league. How's um, Artie's son tracking? Is he is he going to be a, a big prop like his old man? No, 
no, no. I just don't think he's that coordinated, mate. So, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, he's more he's more of a computer nerd. But no, no, he's um he's a big man. Um, but footy wise, yeah, no, he's probably got a head for radio. <laughs> he loved me saying he loved me saying this about him, so I'm more yeah. happy to say this about him. That's great. Um, but yeah, but he uh, he's a great bloke. He he gets uh. You know, we head out west all the time and he organises uh, for New He does a great job in New South Wales Rugby League, getting into communities. He works a lot with Freddie as well, doing stuff in community for young kids. And um, it's just been, you know, a great honour working with the guys who are doing welfare with deadly choices back in, in communities as well. So um, he's done a great job. Mate, a great job, so yeah. I did want to know, just as a Roosters fan, how did we let you <coughs> slip through our fingers? How did the actual transition from the, the tricolours to St George happen? contract and actually played in a carnival in the original knockout at Burke and I did my knee but at that time I think the Roosters weren't interested in me and moved me along um, and Ricky Waffle was retiring at uh, the Dragons and I think a bloke there by the name of Max Minnis um, unfortunately has passed but um, he he was interested in getting me across there with David Waite and from there on I never looked back well, it's our loss, mate. I think we stuck with someone like Shane Wearett, probably, but I'm not sure what it is. But Yeah, sorry, Nathan. I actually had a question as well. Um, you, you spent a lot of time... Uh, you obviously were really successful with um, St. George, but you also had a brief stint uh, in, in Super Rugby and um, with the Waratahs, I remember, back in 2003. Um, wondering if you could tell us a little about your uh, experience there and, and I guess the differences between playing in, in those sorts of... the team cultures between the NRL uh, at St. George and... Um, and, and your time at the Waratahs? No, I, I, uh, I actually enjoyed my time at that union, but I guess mentally my heart wasn't into it, you know what I mean? Um, I, I wanted to change, but I, I lost my old man um, probably a year, year before that. Um, I just sort of needed a break. Mm. Yeah, and I guess at the time at the drive we weren't going to, well, I just thought I needed a change. Um, you know, this would be happened there with 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 uh, with the coach at the time that I just sort of thought uh, everything was sort of put back on me. Like mm. I, I remember playing for Australia, and yeah, I remember coming back home and from the from the tour from England, and I'm just uh, which really sort of you know wouldn't break me up, but I really changed my opinion on a lot of things. Which when I come back to to Australia, see me coach at the time at the Dragons and. First thing he said to me was, you know, don't let it go to your head. You know, you play for Australia, you know, don't, 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 don't go big note yourself. And to me, I was like, wow, like, all I want to do was just say, you know, congratulations on, on your tour to Australia, congratulations on playing for Australia, but the attitude was different, was don't let it go to your head. And, yeah, I didn't want to really hear that from my coach. You know, someone you, 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 you know, you, you actually ad- admire and you learn from. And that was his attitude towards me. It was actually... And it sort of continued throughout the season, so I decided to hang the you know, walk away from the game and and just figured, you know, it's I'm out there achieving goals beyond my expectations and the people who I believed in and trusted in and, and, and relied upon um, actually had a had this different opinion of me for succeeding. It wasn't very positive, so I thought, mate, it's that's not that's not rugby league, that's not family, that's not 
you know, that's that, that's not a club coach. That's someone's got a grudge against you. So yeah, so I decided to walk away, um, and uh, end up playing playing rugby. Um, the cultures, you know, the, the, at the highest level was was great, but getting gotten back to the club rugby really really drained drained me energy wise. Yeah, and, that's right. They made they made you play um, on the weekends a bit too, didn't they? Just for the, the Sydney club yeah, comps. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I uh, at that high level, like I, if I got below that, you, you tend to mm. start to think, you know, my worth ain't that good to these guys. So, um, especially you know, showing that you can play the game at a high level, and they just drop you back the next couple of weeks, just oh, I know you can play this and play mm. with your with your emotions, mate. You, you know, you tend to think, yourself, well. Nathan, on to, I guess, a slightly happier note. I, I want to talk about as well your, your combination with Anthony Mundine when you are at the Dragons. You know, that was a very special combination. The, the flick passes to each other, the chip kicks. Um, was that something you guys had to train uh, or was that just sort of an instinctive um, connection you guys had? Oh, we, we talk about every game. We'd, we'd watch videos and we'd talk about it. And I always say to talk, you know, say not because he comes up, I'll come in and you see certain players react to certain things yeah, at certain certain moments of the game, it was probably all timed. At certain moments of the game, you see players a bit tired, and and you see players that have that do create opportunities, and Chuck always create opportunities. But it was more of an instinctive thing. Like I just he create opportunities. I just had to be there to um to actually just get the ball off him. <laughs> um, he, he always drew a lot of players, and I guess his footwork, uh, mate. I I've never seen a bloke with such good footwork. That 99 um, season in particular, Nathan, um, you guys are on fire that year. Um, and what comes, what sort of burned in my memory are the, the post-try celebrations. It almost seemed to have sort of kicked off with you guys, the backflips and that kind of thing. Was that something you you sort of spoke about before you do it? Or was it cl- like you were clearly just so euphoric, you thought, I'm gonna, just going to do a backflip here? Oh, no, no, what it was, we were just a spur of the moment. Like, I think Chuck scored a try against, um, I think he yeah, scored a runaway try against Canberra and he did a front flip. I said, oh, wow, awesome. <laughs> I said, if I score one, I'm going to do a back flip. So, yeah, incidentally, I, I scored one and I, I did a back flip. And then from, from there on, you know, we were just enjoying rugby league because we, we play what was in front of us. The coach allowed us to go out and, and enjoy the game, play the game for what it is. It's a game. And um, from there on, we just enjoyed playing the game, you know. Um, we put bums on seats. People come to watch us play. Uh, it was just because it wasn't made up we, we didn't say this week we're going to do this or this week we're going to do that we just turned up and played footy and we just showed our appreciation by having some fun and there's another huge moment mate um, which I'm sure you had fun with as well it was in the 1999 grand final can you can you walk me through that try and then I'm sure you know what I'm referring to it was when yeah, Brett, Brett yeah. Kamali put a kick through and you ran onto it like a steam train and ran the length of the field 
Can you walk us through leading up to that game and, and that moment you actually uh, managed to pull off that try? Yeah, I, I remember playing in the semi-finals with Paul. I played the fullback, and for some reason, I just got nervous under the under the bombs. I doubted myself when I was catching him. I, yeah, let the pressure get to me. And I guess that week leading up to the um, to the grand final, uh, Dave Blake named the side, and he named me starting winger. Um, and I was, to my shock, I was like, oh, thank you. Like I, I said to the guys, I stood up. In the guy, in front of the guys, and I said, "Look, guys, I appreciate this. I want to let you down. Like, you know, whatever's out there, if there's a cold out there floating around, I'll catch it. <laughs> you know, um, just just to show that. And I just practice it every week. You know, to, to um, because I knew they'd go and pepper me with bombs if I was at fullback and on the wing. So, I I had three or four big blokes trying to me at training, um, while I was catching bombs. So, uh, and then during the game, um, I think uh, general. Patton went off and sent back the pullback. And I just seen a tip come over and I just thought, I catch this ball, I don't care if I get hit, I'm going to get <laughs> smashed, but I, if I catch it, oh, I've got the ball, you know, I've got to tack the ball. So, And I tacked the ball and as I tacked the ball, I caught it and closed my eyes thinking, God, I'm going to get smashed here. <laughs> then I kept running thinking, and I'm like, oh, cow, hang on. Um, yeah, and I just ended up opening up in the clear and, uh, yeah, got through the other side. So... Um, well, I promise the boys I'll never let anything, you know, drop a ball at all because I did own that in the semis. Um, I did let, let the team down and let myself down during that. Well, mate, you certainly you made up for it with that try because that's. Um, I know you guys ended up obviously losing that match in pretty sensational circumstances, but everyone still remembers that try, you know, when you think of the 1999 Grand Final. I also wanted to touch on Nathan as well. I mean, you were the, the top try scorer for three seasons in a row. That's a, that's a really tough effort very few people get to achieve. Were you disappointed you never got a state of origin berth? Because I always look at your career credentials and I just think, how come you didn't play state of origin? It just seemed like a weird one to me. Oh, mate, absolutely. I was, um, yeah, I, again, you, you sort of question your self-worth because of the decision of others that um, have their opinions of you. And, um, you know, I grew, up with, I grew up with my whole life with people having opinions of me but not knowing what I can do. And, yeah, it's, it's sort of disappointing. Um, but again, you know, I just I had to just go out there and perform each week for my for my you know. I was not only representing the Dragons, I was also representing the town I come from, also representing all the kids who live in the country. Yeah. So I just had to go out there and play the best rugby league I could and prove them wrong. I did I did, did get to play for Australia a few times, and for that I'm very grateful because it was it's above and beyond of what I've actually um, you know of my goal setting. So um, for that I. No, I can't um, be disappointed in not playing for Australia, but it would have been good to play for New South Wales. Um, but like now, you know, of all people, you think I have a, I have a grudge play with New South Wales, but actually now I'm working with them in the communion. Um, and I enjoy it. I love the guys there. Uh, Dave Trodden, Freddie and all the guys there, mate, they're great blokes. And I love I love working there. I love working, you know, with the guys in the gut bush. I love doing the coaching stuff they do. It's... Um, it's been fantastic. Well, mate, it, it speaks volumes for your character that you, you don't hold a grudge and that you, you've moved on with your life. And what, a, what a, an amazing career it was, mate. You should be very proud. And, you know, just on that uh, very issue, I, I noticed this uh, at the end of last season, it was James Graham. He admitted that when he was growing up, 
Um, he loved watching yourself and Anthony Mundane play, and it was one of the things that inspired him uh, to want to play the game and I think even come across to the Dragons. Is that something, hearing guys like that talk about your career, is that something that's pretty satisfying to you? Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, absolutely. You, you hear that and um, it's, you know, it, it's it's a feeling that you get that no one can understand. Like, it's I can't believe, you know, they, they've actually endured watching me play when all I went out there and done is just enjoyed my rugby league. And also I encourage everyone to go out there and enjoy it. Um, you know, unfortunately, these days, coaches coach put a lot of restrictions on what people can do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is satisfying to hear that. You know, I, I did spend some time in England, and I love being over there. I love to go back over there and coach one year. So, um, yeah, it's so good to hear someone like James Graham uh, say that about us. Um, you know, it's, it's satisfying, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. satisfying to see that, to hear that. Well, mate, um, it's been satisfying to chat with you today, so we won't uh, take up any more of your time. But, uh, mate, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure and um, best of luck with all of your coaching career and, and what's ahead of you. And I hope one day you do get to England and manage to coach there as well. So thanks again with, for chatting with us. Oh, thanks for inviting me on, mate. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. hope you guys have an awesome Welcome back to the Monetary Tackle. Xander, we're discussing the possibility of an NRL expansion with the game CEO Todd Greenberg last week, talking up the prospect of the competition, adding a second team in Brisbane in 2023, even going so far as to say the bid is in the box seat. And having this to say, the NRL has done an enormous amount of research. What I can tell you is that half a million fans in Brisbane don't support the Broncos and they love rugby league. Whether they're a rusted-on fan of another team or are looking for a team, I'm not sure. But we know fans here in Brisbane love the game. The next question we're asking on the show today is, should the new team be something completely new or should we look to use a brand that already exists in rugby league? Xander, over to you. Yeah, so this is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, you know, they've, they've said that Brisbane are in the box seat. The front runner bids appear to be the Bombers, the Ipswich, you know, Western Corridor bid, the Redcliffe Dolphins, and uh, apparently now uh, the East's Tigers. So the Redcliffe Dolphins and... Uh, of of those four, um, it's only the Bombers that are not um, basically a, a Queensland um, Cup team, like an existing promotion. brand and yeah. franchise. Yeah, and I believe there's also Central Queensland and the Sunshine Coast. Mm. So we'll we'll do our best to navigate these. There's, there's probably a lot of uh, ground to cover, so we won't go in depth into all of them. But um, it's safe to say that um, our idea of putting the Bobcatters in Queensland um, has already been shot down by the NRL. The Cowboys, aren't they? Uh, well. Apparently got shot down by the NRL because they said, no, you'll be talking too much about milk prices and we'll have a bit of a distraction when it comes to rugby league. So, I mean, in the end, I'm glad they shot that down. I thought we should probably start with the Brisbane Bombers, seeing as they're getting the most publicity. Mm. Their NRL expansion bid strategy is based on this idea of a battle of Brisbane, Mm. uh, seeking to provide a team to rival the Broncos in Australia's third largest city. The Brisbane Bombers have an agreement in place that they'll play all games at home in Suncorp meaning Suncorp Stadium would host one game every week as opposed to every two weeks at the moment. How do you feel about the Bombers concept generally, mate? Having a home ground, obviously, is a big a big advantage. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, it seems to be... Like, that model seems to, to be a little bit like um, what the A-League have done um, with, say, Melbourne City and, and Melbourne, right? Melbourne United, is it? I think it's just Melbourne. Just Victor- Melbourne, Mel- Melbourne Victory. Melbourne Victory, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's Fuck, right. I hate the A-League. I'm actually glad I forgot that. Like, 
Yeah, that, that is the dumbest name to give aside. I mean, I know it's short for Victoria, but victory just makes... Every time you lose, it's kind of funny, right? Yeah, it becomes ironic. Um, In defence of having a name like Victory, you couldn't have the Melbourne just take it on the chins, you know, because it wouldn't have the same ring to or it. You, or you could just, you know, come up with a name that isn't about whether you win or lose, potentially. Oh, yeah, no, but that's where half of the, half of the fun is, isn't it? <laughs> but, you know, uh, the argument of having them playing out of some from, from a, a stadium owner standpoint I'm sure that they love the idea because it means they, they Absolutely. get people in all the time but it comes back to the question we've, we've raised before is that where is the demographic divide in Brisbane I mean you know they, they talk about their as you said Brisbane uh, based fans not being Broncos fans I, it's hard for me to fathom that but this is according to research from Greenberg now yeah. I don't know if he obviously has an agenda he wants another team there but if that's the case there could be fertile ground mm. to have another team actually based in Brisbane Central which didn't really occur to me before but that was a large number of fans that apparently are based in Brisbane that don't support the Broncos that surprised yeah. me a bit yeah no likewise I mean I, there's no reason for them to lie about that fact um, you know <laughs> It's uh, it's. I just it, like calling Greenberg a liar. It's, it's fun. May, and it, it could well just be the fact that you know they're owned by uh, news, right? That that pisses people off, mm. um, uh, or that they're just a big brand. Some you know, there's a, there's always the anti fan, right? Yeah. Um. So it it makes me wonder, um, what would be the best countermeasure to that? So is is it an established brand, um, that like, that comes from the old uh, Queensland competition that's had a, a long history? Mm. Um, or do you want another sort of new franchise like the Bombers? And, and if that's the case, if, if it's the case that there are a lot of Brisbane fans that aren't Broncos fans, I actually kind of wonder if, if it is better to use an old um, uh, existing identity from, from the, the competition. The, the only concern I have there is does that alienate other fans who are not Broncos fans. Well, yeah, that's sort of part... I guess it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because if you do go an existing brand, you may alienate other brands in the Queensland Cup who might have an arch rivalry to that brand that you choose. Mm. Um, So there's definitely pros and cons to that argument. Personally, I'm for the idea of Mm. using an existing brand, and we'll get to which one I think is my preference in a moment. But just sticking with the Bombers, I'm interested to get your thoughts on the current branding. They've sunk a lot of money into Mm. presenting this bid. Uh, They're called the Bombers. It looks to have a logo that looks a bit like Charles Lindbergh for some reason. It does a little bit. Um, Hopefully, its real logo doesn't have its kid kidnapped and killed either. What are your reflections on the branding itself? The colours, which I believe is navy and orange. Do you think that's a a good match for Brisbane? I mean, it kind of looks to me a little bit like an American baseball team or something. Well, then what's the connection with Brisbane then, if that's the case? I mean, it looks good, but where's the connection with Brisbane fans, the Bombers and Lindbergh? I have no idea. Not that it's meant to be Lindbergh, but it certainly fucking looks like him. I mean, you know, I don't know, what, what, what connection did the Broncos have? Well, I guess they were supposed to be like Brumbies, but they couldn't be the Brumbies. They should have been the Brumbies <laughs> because they were born before the fucking ACT Brumbies, right? Like, I agree with you. Well, we've talked about this on previous shows but, because um, yeah. I think that Queensland teams are notoriously bad at choosing organic um, brand, organic mascots, which I think it's, it's actually a terrible thing. I think they should go down that road mm. because... If it, it is about making that connection, I think it's important to have something that's, I don't know, a little bit more organic. But um, you're right. Yeah. I, I'm never been a fan of the Cowboys, Titans, or the Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said um, the Cowboys probably should have been the Drovers or the Jackaroos or something, and the mm. Broncos should have been the Brumbies. Yeah. Titans, I don't, I don't know what they, why they, they should be defunct. Why the Titans? I never understood. But they, they put that to a poll. I remember that whole debate. Mm. Um, should be the Gold Coast crack addicts. <laughs> I, I, I always, 
I, I always used to think it uh, should be the Gold Coast uh, teeth bleachers because, you know, that's whenever I've been to the Gold Coast, it, <laughs> everyone looks like they're wearing dentures or, or they've just come from a dental clinic. Um, Mate, I'll get go straight to the source here. This is a quote from the Bombers director, Craig Davison. Uh, not to be confused with Craig David, obviously, because otherwise then you'd only get a job done on Monday. Anyway, fuck that. Um, <laughs> anyone familiar with Craig David's career? No. No, <laughs> either is Craig David. Anyway, he had this to say. He said, I've been contacted by a number of businessmen who were keen to get an NRL licence in as Brisbane's second team. They have asked not to be named. It's a confidential business group. They are successful in their own right and are serious about the proposition. They're crunching the numbers and doing an evaluation of what it would cost to fund another NRL team. Um, interestingly, as, as well, they've got the brand ambassador of Billy Moore. Um, not sure what cred uh, Billy Moore would bring. I like Billy Moore, but I don't know if he's necessarily got a, a huge leverage of fan base there. But how, how do you feel about that? Do you think it, the advantage there is they've actually got the funds behind them? Yeah, I think that's that's going to be a make or break thing. I mean, the, the team needs to have a, a financial basis otherwise that you know you risk end up ending up with another titans or something like that mm. the the benefit of the sides like uh, melbourne had is that you know, i think news pumped like a quarter of a billion dollars into them uh, through the, their life until uh, they ended up selling them off so you do need strong financial backing and they can't just be another club that that relies on the nrl mm. how do you feel about this specifically about the battle of brisbane concept do you think that's got leaks well, apparently it does, uh, because if, if half the fans in, in Brisbane love rugby league but don't like the Broncos, then they'll jump on any, any side to, mm. to support. Whether or not the Bombers resonate, I guess, is the open question. Is this the idea of the Bombers, the fact that they're coming in and they're raiding Brisbane and they're dropping bombs on them? Is this the theory? Actually, that'd be a nice little analogy. I mean, I'm sure there'd be, there'll be there'll be plenty of fun tie-in articles if something like the Bombers, I you could know. see the campaign yeah. now. It could be like a 1942 bomber mm. and through the radio is going, okay, we've got Alan Langer in our sights <laughs> and they're blowing up old players from Brisbane one by one. Eventually, they, they take Wally Lewis hostage and they cut his head off. Somehow, if they're looking for new fans... You don't I, think decapitating an immortal is the way to go? I think put the ad campaign to them, see how they respond. Um. It's too political, mate. I don't like it. That's what news, That's what Paul Kent said. Do you think there might be a number of Broncos fans that might actually jump ship? Is that? Is there? You reckon many people might actually do that as well? Ah, uh, maybe really young ones. It's it's hard. Like I mean, I don't I don't know too many people who who um, switch teams. Unless you're a Gold Coast Titans fan, <laughs> I think you'd be jumping on board straight away. Even Mal Meninga's on board, apparently. That's part of the strategy. Yeah, right. To obliterate the club. Well, that, I was going to say that's worked out well for the Titans. <laughs> I did mention before the colour scheme, navy, blue and orange. I'm not quite sure about the, how those colours mesh. I had a bit of a think about it. I'm not a particularly artistic person, but I go navy, blue and orange, a bit weird for me. Uh, what, what kind of illusions does it bring up for you? Strangely, it actually makes me think an awful lot of uh, the, the Brumbies in, in rugby. That's effectively their colour scheme. Oh, right. Um, See, for me, it makes me think of a Ranga kid getting asphyxiated. Or, I don't know, Donald Trump with a facial wound. Because obviously he would have blue blood. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> a mouldy apricot. The, the list is endless. So we are going to get across to the other bids as well. We'll probably start with the Redcliffe Dolphins, mate. I know you've done a bit of research on this as well. Um, now, I, don't, I think they've got an estimated population of around 65,000 people in that Redcliffe area. I, a lot of people criticising the Redcliffe notion is they're sort of like the manly of Brisbane. They're sort of on a northern peninsula. So their chairman, Bob Jones, has been quite vocal, Xander. He said that uh, the Redcliffe Dolphins could be a brand for all of Australia and for Queensland and the southeast Queensland region in particular. He said, we got a marketing company to do some research. Right. 
And the Broncos uh, was the number one brand in Queensland, obviously, followed uh, by the Lions, who were going well at the time. And they came in between the Bulls and the Reds and the Basketball Boys, the Brisbane Bullets. Uh, he said, at the time, we didn't understand how powerful the brand was, and it actually gave them a lot of confidence. So um, they actually think they might resonate as a brand broader than that little peninsula that they're on. Do you like their bid? I do just wonder about having a very locally uh, established niche group like that. To me, um, the more like uh, the other recent bid that's come in, if we can jump to it, um, the East uh, East uh, Eastern Suburbs Tigers. Yeah, walk, walk me through that. They've apparently uh, signaled their intention to um, to enter the race, and um, you know you've won me all over already because they're Eastern Suburbs. I know. Right? But anyway, go on. Um, so anyway, the Eastern Suburbs Tigers, the East Tigers in the Brisbane comp, they've been around since 1917, so they've they've got a rich history as well. They propose to play out of Lang Park. You know, they're about four kilometres from the CBD, but they're close enough um, that they they argue that they would have a north-south divide. So they're basically just southern Brisbane, the way they see themselves. But they're east. How does yeah. that work? Well, it's it's like the CBD in Sydney, right? Like where where um you know where where really everything south of the bridge um, up until you hit Redfern. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, but it'd be weird for us to say we're also north. We yeah. Be, I mean, so not. they argue that, yeah, I mean, again, not an expert on Brisbane, but they argue that... Um, Who is? <laughs> exactly. They argue that uh, they're four kilometres from the CBD, but they're south. Um, so they would they would seek to represent basically southern Brisbane and they would they would pitch the Broncos as being northern enemies. You know, they've lost me already by saying, we want to seek to represent southern Brisbane and we're the East Tigers. I'm already fucking confused. Um, now, do you know happen to know how successful they are in the Queensland Cup, the East, Eastern Suburbs Tigers? Are they a, a successful brand? Yeah, well, they are. They are a very successful brand, apparently. And they won a lot of titles recently, and stuff. I, I don't know to be honest. <laughs> okay, fair I, enough. I don't know how, how many titles they've won, but the, the, the stickler for them is the fact that they're called the Tigers, so they can't be Great called point. the Tigers. All right, so they they recognise that and they realise that they'd have to change their brand. So the question, they're they're an interesting one to me because they're then in a sense a kind of a halfway point between a Redcliffe Dolphin, Dolphins and a Bron- and a Bombers because. They, they're not an entirely new entity, but they're going to have to change their brand, mm. right? Like they're, they're an old entity that's going to have to ha- have to adapt their brand. So they have the opportunity to leverage their existing base and identity, but also broaden their base by changing their brand. So it's a bit like saying, should we go with a new car or a used car? And someone's going, I think we should do a used car, but we're going to have to put brand new shit everywhere on it. We're going to need new tyres. It's going to need a new chassis. And by the way, it's it's not going to be a Ford Falcon anymore. It, it just seems like there's already a lot of problems <laughs> that's a, that's to solve. That's an interesting, interesting analogy. I mean, and, uh, and, and I also, see what you mean. There, there are problems to solve, but there, there are also benefits, right? Yeah. I feel like the used car analogy for, like breaks down. Um, <laughs> it's probably more like, you know, am I going to get a used car or am I going to get a, a reworked classic car? Okay, right. Is how well, I okay, if they, they can't be the Tigers... What would be the closest thing that would work in the NRL that's not a tiger? <laughs> well, that, that's again something that they're going to have to work out. I don't know. What, See, this this bid's already shitting me. Oh, there's too many unknowns for me. I don't like so it. So they, they, they're going to have to, but they're going to have to come up with a moniker. But they they, but they have, be just really similar to the tigers. Can they go? You the know, leopards. Yeah, with the Brisbane Eastern Suburbs slightly better tigers. Well, could, well, could they? Could that's they, too long, isn't it? Could 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 they be? Oh no, they can't be the Panthers. Um. Yeah, too many big cats. Could they be? Yeah. Sorry, for me, they can get fucked. I don't like those. <laughs> um, now, this is my personal favourite coming up, Sander, and it's the Western Corridor bid, um, which covers Ipswich, uh, Logan, Toowoomba area, 
And I do like it because the brand is strong and also because they've got an estimated population of 160,000 people. That's a, a much bigger area than, say, your, your Red Cliffs or even your East, North, South Tigers, not really Tigers franchise, whatever the <laughs> fuck that was. So for me, this is the leader. I don't really like the Bombers. I wouldn't have minded maybe a new, a brand new franchise, but I'm not really sold on that branding. Um, and I don't know if you've done any research on them, but every time I do a bit of research on the Bombers, it's always surrounded by two scantily clad chicks with D-sized cut breasts. Um, so it Just has a touch that of right now. <laughs> yeah, please Google it. And uh, can you make that my wallpaper? Thank you. It has a touch of the John Singleton about it, is what I'm saying. So in my mind, I'm already a bit like I'm not sure about that one. But the Western Corridor bid, the Ipswich Jets, which I'm assuming if they came into first grade, you'd probably leave it as the Jets, which again, I guess Newtown's not in it anymore, so that's not of conflict of interest. Hold on, Xander's just bringing it up. There you go. Yeah, Do you see you what go. I mean? That's weird. I mean, it's it's not not actually what I imagined when you mentioned it. It kind of looks a little bit like a 1930s game show. <laughs> a little bit. It's sort of like... You know what it looks like? It looks like a scene from The Rocketeer. You ever see that 90s superhero movie, The Rocketeer? Unfortunately, I have seen that. Great film. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> come now. Someone straps a fucking advanced lawnmower to his back and flies around. It's terrible. He a hero for our time, mate. <laughs> um, so for me, this is it's certainly a bit of a pack leader. And you know what the other thing I like about the Ipswich bid is the fact that you'd probably get a walk-up start for the Walker brothers to be the coach. Yeah, you, you prob- you actually, you, you have to think they would, right? Um, yeah. Certainly no Chris Walker, because we don't want the new franchise no. getting too loose too early. Um, it's an interesting, yeah, the Ipswich one, in a sense, is a, a little bit like um, the East's one, but without the, the, the um, problem of having to change their moniker. Without the 19 different problems yeah. that they had. <laughs> um, but the, the only question I have is that they're, they're not proposing to play out of Brisbane, right? Like That's play. it, yeah, and you're right. This so, is the one major hurdle they have to overcome mm. is the fact that um, I don't think they've got necessarily the infrastructure yeah. to match. They'd so, have to build that in the meantime. So where do they play their games? Um, how do they solve that problem? Really, Brisbane want to have a side that plays out of, the, out of Suncorp twice. Um, like that Ideally, to, that's what yeah, they want, right? Yeah. I mean, they're Western Brisbane. Maybe there's scope to put a great new facility mm. up in Western Brisbane. I don't know. They've certainly yeah. got the population. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. I mean, it seems to me that it, like that, that, is, that, that strikes me as being a criteria. A lot of sides that are saying they're going to play out at other stadiums. So I, think yeah. that, I think that they're going to want them to play out of some Maybe. Uh, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, absolutely tethered to the idea of being in, in the West if they play out of Suncorp. More power to them. But um, I think for me so far, that's the leader. We should touch off as well on uh, the Central Queensland bid. They've got a bid. I don't know how strong it is. I think we're coming into the, the minnows here anyway. Do you know how you know this is a minnow bid? Because uh, Gordon Tallis has been tied to the franchise as its first coach. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's necessarily got the chops to be a head coach, Gordy. A very fearsome forward. I yeah. uh, wouldn't want to come across him in a, in a back alley if I've just stolen his wallet. But I'm not sure if I could see him as head coach material. Uh, but essentially, it, it would be based in Rockhampton. Um, and it would also stretch from Bundaberg to Mackay. So it's a fair bit of ground mm. that this one would actually evoke. And, and you know the funny thing? When I first saw Central Queensland, I just assumed it meant like Central West. That is pictures of like them playing somewhere in the outback. Uh, and probably being called the Bradley John Murdochs or something. Um, the, the lack of Queensland Cup success for them is also a bit of a drawback. The Central Coast Capras, I believe they're called. Uh, do you know what the fuck a Capra is? I have no... Uh, this, this bit is already boring me. Um, <laughs> I think that's some kind of goat. Yeah. 
from memory. But Pass. Yeah, I don't think you... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I could say. Yeah. NRL says no. So we will, we will go past that. They're not getting in. But, but I will say this. If they did get in, Bundaberg Rom, obvious sponsor, right? Bundaberg Rum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know... They could be the fucking... The could, Bundy Bears. They could be the, the central Queensland polar bears. Yeah, yeah that, central that makes, Queensland polar bears. That makes perfect sense. It'd be ironic. Now, the last one, I know, I know very little about this, so we're finishing off not strong. <laughs> it's the Sunshine Coast. Now, the funny thing about this bit is when we've put this out to Twitter, a lot of people have tweeted back the Sunshine Coast, which is the, the final piece of the puzzle. Now, they're willing to spend apparently $17 million expanding the Kiwanis Stadium, pending on uh, matched state federal funding. Um, NRL matches featuring South and Cronulla have already been slated for the region over the next two years. So they obviously see that there is some merit in going to this area. There's obviously some kind of mass. Um, the powerhouse there is the Sunshine Coast Falcons, and they have a strong Melbourne Storm connection. Now, do you know what's funny? I saw Billy Slater come out during the week saying, we definitely don't want a second team in Queensland. And obviously I'm thinking because it would tap the well of Melbourne Storm talent. I'm assuming he's yeah, still right. playing for the fucking Storm, Billy Slater. I know he's at Channel 9, but he's really still just batting for fucking the Melbourne Storm, isn't that's, he? That's interesting. And it, uh, the Falcons is actually a good name. It's a good name. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah that's, that, that one came out of left field. I didn't even know about that one. It should be the Eastern Suburbs Tigers Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to be legit about it. Um, but look, having heard that for the first time, yeah. how does it resonate with it, you? I mean, it, that all sounds great. The only the only issue I have is um, matched funding. Um, yeah, like it's it's you, you're you're making a few assumptions about your business case, which may not pan out. Mm. And the NRL doesn't like that um, unless you're Peter Valandis and it's matched funding with horse racing. Yeah. Then it's fine. Now, I guess on a general note, the Titans have sort of been a poor advert for expansion in Queensland, Xander. For me, I'm not holding them up as the poster child. I think that we still need another team. But do you think that the fact that the Titans have failed to grasp a lot of support and failed to have on-ground success, that this is a bit of a fly in the ointment for convincing fans in the game to have another team in Queensland? They have been, you know, like, let's face it, an abject failure. Um, <laughs> like they don't have. Min- don't mince your words. Like they have, right? You know, they... But it, it the depends goal, what you think their objective was. If their objective was to have a team of coke addicts and anti-vaxxers, then box ticked, um, as Paul Kent would say. <laughs> They've definitely been a success on that front, allegedly. Yeah, I think I think the Titans probably need to be considered in isolation because the game has expanded mm-hmm. a lot over the last 30 years. I think the whole team should be quarantined, you're right. Put in complete isolation <laughs> and we just forget they exist. Put them on a cruise ship and just <laughs> and dock them offshore. <laughs> That's right. I think you need to be on the Diamond Princess in Japan, guys. Go for it. Sorry about Titans fans listening. We love you too. Um, now, we will go to social on this. We put this out a little while ago about names, Xander. Obviously, we've debated about what the name and the branding of a new Queensland team should be. Uh, we've got a, a fairly, I'm going to call it an eclectic bunch of suggestions, um, a lot of them quite disparaging. Um, this comes from Media Watch Mario. He says, I'm not even going to say it, he says the CNTS. Don't know what that means. It's an acronym, clearly. <laughs> I'm thinking so. Um, Emil K says that they should be the Brisbane Rangers. Enormous Seal at Richard Cranium NRL. He says the Brisbane Bogans. He's gone for three. The Brisbane Bogans, the Brisbane Bottom Feeders, or the Brisbane Bigamists. They could well be all three. Who knows? Wombat says the South Queensland Sweet Puffs. What's a sweet puff? Is that a breakfast cereal? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, or is this some kind of nefarious term I'm not aware of? It sounds to me like rice rice bu- uh, bubbles. Yeah. yeah, okay. Interesting. Thank you very much, Wombat, for getting in touch. Scotty MCG12, he suggested the Brisbane Ball Sacks. Uh, interesting to go after an, 
an anatomy of the human body like that. Um, do you know what I'd be interested about the Brisbane Ball Sacks team would be what that emblem would look like? Um, would they go for a, a kind of very old sort of geriatric version of a ball sack and it would be sort of it would hang low? Or would they go for one that might have had an extra growth? Because obviously everything in about the NRL is about being roided up and strong. So potentially the balls would need a tumour. Well, you know, what is that condition? I don't know. Have you ever heard of it's that? It's called testicular cancer. Yeah, well, no, that, that, that one you lose them, right? But there's another one where you get like um, like basically gigantic testicles that people need to carry around in a wheelbarrow. Isn't that Gordon Taylor syndrome? <laughs> <laughs> we'll carry around in a wheelbarrow. More after this. <laughs> Okay, now welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Now, because we're terrible at maths, uh, we've now got four teams to review, Xander, before the kickoff this Thursday. Uh, so we're going to do, a, I guess, a, a, a bit of a shot clock version of what we normally do. So we're going to try to squeeze an entire season's analysis for each individual team into roughly three minutes. Do you think we're up to it? Yeah, I think we can do it. I th- and I actually, I think this is probably the easiest group to do it with. Yeah, because we know they're all good. Although that makes it harder, doesn't it? Because they've got more to talk about. When it comes to the Titans, that's really easy. So, okay, ask me the question, how are the Titans go this year? How are the Titans going to go this Shit. year? Shit. <laughs> it's so easy. The end. But we are going to talk about South Sydney first up, mate. They've got a lot of losses. Uh, we were chatting about this before we came on today. Namely, Sam Burgess. We've got some question marks over how they're going to perform in the, in the forward pack this year. I notice we've got Cameron Murray playing on the edge um, as opposed to the middle. They seem a little bit skinny in the middle for me. What are, what's your take on that? Yeah, that, that's been my my view as well. It's not just Sam Burgess, but didn't they lose to any of the other? Who, which yeah, I, George Burgess yeah. got banned. Yeah, Sam Burgess and George, they're both gone. So that's that's two of the Burgi. Um, exactly. You know, I used to be against uh, George Burgess's eye gouge of Robbie Farah, but ever since Robbie Farah blocked the show, I'm now strangely supporting that move. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's obviously the story of the the off season has been them signing Latrell Mitchell, but I, I have genuine question marks. I mean, you know, we, we've talked to uh, about how we think he might go, you know, already, and and that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But but to me, the more interesting question is how are they going to play a Wayne Bennett style with a um, weaker weak, forward, weak forward pack? It's a big question, and that that really gives me concerns over how they're going to perform this year. We'll quickly go over the losses and gains. So you've already mentioned Latrell Mitchell, obviously. They've gained Bryson Goodwin. They've got Steve Masters, Patrick Mogo, Joshua Cook, Dean Hawkins, Kai Rodwell. Uh, But it's the losses, Mm. which I think tell a more significant tale. That's the loss of John Sutton, Greg Inglis, Sam Burgess, George Burgess, Dean Britt, Adam Dewey, and Kyle Turner. That's a fair bit of talent that's walked out the door. Yeah, no, I, I, I... I actually think they're, they're, they're going to struggle up the middle. And, you know, I mean, they reckon that Roberts has lost a bit of weight and is, you know, going to be super fast. They've talked a lot in the offseason about how much speed they've, they've backed up and, you know, how strong their backline's going to be. But they haven't talked a lot about their forwards. And, yeah, For good reason. I, yeah, they I, haven't got any. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting. It depends, you know, might depend on the trend of the way the game goes. But I think, I actually think they're going to have a hard time of it. Well, their forwards, obviously, you've got Damian Cook. And Damian Cook's effective when the other forwards are effective. He's not a big forward, though. No, he's not. What I'm saying is that the full value of Damien Cook is accessed when the pack's going forward. Yeah. And he is barely significantly nullified mm. when they lack that go forward. That's when he comes into the game. Mm. So if these guys like uh, Tom Burgess, like uh, Totola, mm. can't get them going forward, then that really takes Damien Cook out of the game as well, who's a huge weapon for them. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And you see it in Origin. He's he's the most effective 
when basically they're, they're just punching the game line and, yeah. and, and getting a roll on. He's and the most deadly hooker yeah. when you've got that roll on. Exactly. There's no doubt about that. But if, if, if defense is driving you back and your forwards aren't making any ground, then it's not hard. It's not very easy for a, a zippy um, number nine like him to be making those sorts of plays that, he, that he's been famous for. I agree. I don't know if you know this, but he used to be a, a beach sprinter yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> sure, if you're aware. Yeah. Um, Liam Knight, a lot is on the shoulders of Liam Knight this year, who's going to be in the lock forward position. Tom Burgess, I don't know if you've been reading about this during the week, but apparently he's on a new regiment and he's absolutely stripped to the shithouse. Yeah, he's gone in the uh, the Iceman. That's right, he's gone to the Iceman. So he's been the, the lesser Burgess, yeah. uh, outside of Luke, obviously, he's really shit. Um, he's been the third-placed Burgess yeah. for a long time. Now that all the that his two brothers are gone, it is, I guess this is his moment, isn't it, for Tom Burgess to show the NRL what he can do, is he up to it? It's interesting though, because you know, as a forward, you don't really want to be stripping back too much weight. So he's gone to the the um, the Iceman, you know, method of I think eating once a day and all that kind of stuff. Which you know, yeah, it's, it's a great point actually. <laughs> you know, like it's it's interesting, but like I, I feel like it's the kind of thing that I would have done if I was post career. Yeah, so he runs really fast now over the advantage line, but he gets snapped in two. Yeah, you actually want to be packing a bit of weight as a forward. Now, we had obviously put out a ladder a couple of weeks ago, mate. Uh, I had them in sixth place because I think they will slide down a little Mm. bit, mainly on the basis of the weaker forward pack. Mm. But very interestingly, where did you have them? I had them at 16th. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is that just abject malice? Or do you think they're legitimately going to finish 16? Yeah, no, I was taking the piss, obviously. Um, I, I think they're going to slide. I, I think they're, I, I like you. I think they'll be around the sixth or the seventh mark. I think they're a bottom eight team this year. Well, as for the punters, Xander, um, 43.4% said they'd finish first to fourth. Close to 40% said fifth to eighth. So people are still thinking they're going to have a very successful year. We're going to move on to the Canberra Raiders last year's grand finalists. This is a really interesting team for me because obviously last year was hugely successful. They were very, very close to going all the way and claiming a premiership. But look, there's been a fair bit of churn, it has to be said, between that team and this team. There's no Jordan Rapana. Lalua's obviously gone across to the Tigers. And Aiden Caesar's gone, so they've got a brand new halfback. I still expect them to probably have a very good year, but it, a lot is going to be resting on the shoulders of George Williams, who's the new English halfback who has enjoyed some early success in the Super League. I, I tried to do as much research as I could on this guy, but I have to say he's not exactly grease lightning, and he's more of a running halfback, I've noticed. He's not one of these guys necessarily playing well before the line, which is what an Aiden Caesar mm. brought to the team. So I'm inter- I'm really interested to see how you'll go for balance because obviously Jack White is a running 5'8". So they've almost got two running halves. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Yes, it's immediately what I thought as well. I thought, well, if you're picking a player like that, I mean, that is that is White in strength. He's such a big body. He can almost mm. double as a lock, right? And so he's, he's a perfect running 5'8". Have yeah. you had a good chance to have a look at this kid or not? No, I must confess I haven't. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a big body. Like, he's not, he's not small for his age. And it, it's really difficult to kind of measure how well someone's playing in the Super League because I've looked at a lot of highlight reels. But I've got to say, he was up against some pretty ordinary defence at times as well. He looked to have a very deft short kicking game. Uh, is the one thing that I noticed, and a quite a skillful short passing yeah. game. So he's one of these guys that runs into the line. That could be an advantage for the Raiders, but it'd be very interesting to see. Yeah, no, I'm, it, it, it'll, it'll all come down to how the combination works. And, and again, you know, the Super League is not a good testing ground for, for the NRL, so it's hard to say. Curtis Scott, 
will be an interesting signing. I think that that strengthens them a little bit. Any player that's come from that that system into an into another system that's already doing all right. Um, yeah, I, I think that'll be interesting to see the effect that'll have on them as well. Well, we'll go through the game. So as you said, Curtis Scott from the Storm, George Williams from the Wigan Warriors. There's also Tom Starling, Harley Smith-Shields. Uh, they're two people that I'm not really aware of. I think they're development players. In terms of their losses, we've t- touched on it as well. Rapana, uh, Royce Hunt, Abby Porter, Caesar, Lalua, and Hingano. So the big one's been Lalua, Caesar, and Rapana. Mm. Look, it's just an interesting one. I think they're going to perform really well this year. I think they've still got the nucleus of a side. I'm, I've never been a big believer in you have to lose one to win one. Yeah. Because there's been plenty of teams that have it's lost one true. and then it's fucked off into obscurity. <laughs> so clearly yeah, it doesn't Parramatta disagree with that. <laughs> exactly. Parramatta in particular go, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's not a thing. I see them being quite good this year. Definitely a top four team. Mm. But I don't think I see them taking it out. Where do you see them? Yeah, I actually completely agree with that. I was going to say the same thing. I, th- I think they're going to crack the top four again, um, but I think you need a little something a little extra to win the grand final. And the reason they didn't win it last year is they, they lacked just a little bit of X factor in attack. And, and that, outside that, hasn't backs, been, that hasn't been solved with what they've recruited. As yeah, as you're right. And the outside backs look a little bit thinner this year. So it'll be interesting to see. So just looking at the ladder, mate, you had them in second place mm. and I had them coming in third mm. place. So we both got them very well entrenched. I, I see them a little bit as being perhaps like a side like the Melbourne Storm last year where throughout the regular season, they're just really hard to knock off. Um, and they, they, they'll play a really, really, um, you know, uh, effective game through through the, the regular season. But I, I wonder about the big games in finals, if they'll have quite enough to go. I mean, you look at it on paper, the Canberra Raiders are still extremely formidable. They, this forward pack in particular, like if you go through Hodgson, Soliola, Papali, Horsburgh, Whitehead, Tapine. I mean, these are, and Luke Bateman on the bench, if you don't mind. And even that back line's not bad. But again, the question mark is over the Haas for me. We went out to the punters and asked them where would they finish this year. Most people had them finishing 5th to 8th. That's almost half of the vote. And followed by 37.6% saying 1st to 4th. Hardly anyone said they'd fall out of the 8. We're going to kick on to the Sydney Roosters. People might not know this, but we're quite big fans of this team, aren't we? Just just a little bit. So people have made a lot, obviously, of the two uh, high-profile exits, Xander, no Latrell Mitchell, no Cooper Cronk. For me, the system at the Roosters will hold them in fairly good stead. I think that will impact their performance mm. early in the season. But being such a good system, I see them probably overcoming that. I think Flanagan's going to fit in pretty well. Uh, we've also got some pretty good fill-ins in the outside backs, especially if we can get Josh Morris across from the Sharks. Yeah, That'd we, be nice. If we get Josh Morris across, uh, having that combination, I think, will, will will be incredibly important to the Roosters. I mean, you, you look at... Our, I mean, they, they've more or less kept the exact squad, you know, losing Latrell's, a, a, you know, a big uh, loss, and so is obviously losing Cooper Cronk. But Flanagan looks like he's a ready-made, you know, sort of replacement for Cooper Cronk from what I've seen. He just yeah. sort of lacks, obviously, the maturity. Um, you know, uh, yeah, if he has one minus <clears> point, <throat> he's not very quick. No, but that you know that's that doesn't worry me too much because you know Cooper Cronk was never the fastest player in the pitch either. Well, not at the end; he was using a Zimmer frame. Yeah, well, you know, he, he won a grand final with with a shoulder that couldn't move. That's right. Um, you know, Movement was never his strong suit at the back end of his career. And frankly, the the, the zippy half isn't was was never meant to be him, right? That's 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 Kiri's job. Um, and Kiri actually has a bit of toe. He's he, underrated he does. in terms of how quick he is. People don't realise he's got he's he got like he actually has a similar sort of frame and agility to to um. Uh, cook 
Yeah. Well, because we talk about them a lot, we'll probably cut it there, but where do you think they'll finish? I think we'll finish on top. And so do I. <laughs> Surprising. That's without any bias, I'm sure. In terms of how people thought they are going to finish, 59.1% said they'd finish in the top four. 28.4% uh, said fifth to eighth. Um, hardly anyone said ninth to twelfth, but interestingly, over 10% said 13th to 16th. South they, fans. Yeah, I think they're all the South fans voting. So thanks for getting involved. And the final team we're reviewing is the Melbourne Storm. We, we like to call them the dying Red Dwarf star, don't we? Um, they're sort of disappearing into obscurity, but very slowly. I like to call them a brown dwarf. A brown dwarf. Yeah. Is that a new kind of star like that's never been discovered? Is it just literally no, they're, a they're, ball of shit? They're, there's actually... A, there, there are brown dwarfs and there are black dwarfs. They're, they're that's racist, mate. Um, does but, the, does <clears> the yellow star ever do blackface? Does it ever dress up as a black star? <laughs> No, but it does a mean accent. But look, the Melbourne Storm, it, it's been well documented. They've had a lot of change. They've lost Curtis Scott. Cameron Smith still hanging in there. Um, Brody Croft has moved on, which is probably the biggest move in the off-season. How do you see them? Do you see them as a weakening force, or is it one of these things where the Bellamy system's so good that they just keep getting replenished? Every time I think they're going to they're gonna, um, fall over, they don't. So I, I don't want to say... Uh, so I don't want to say that they're going to to um, trip up now but I do think this year looks to be one of the more challenging uh, years for them in terms of player turnover because they've lost some big players yeah. so let's go through some of their losses that have lost Will Chambers Solomon Carter, Joe Stimson Billy Walters Curtis Scott and Brody Croft all name players um, and Billy Walters is an up-and-comer but mm. he's gone to the Tigers and Kevin Walters' kid, he looks to be, he could be a future superstar. So it'd be interesting that they let him go. And in terms of new faces, they've got Brinko Lee, Riley Jacks, Nico Hines, Isaac Lumalimi. I mean... I don't know any of these people, like, really. Well, Brinko Lee and Riley Jacks have been around for a while, yeah. but they've never been consistent first graders. So you'd imagine that... Titans, Brinko Lee, yeah. Well, that yeah, explains it. Yeah, you, exactly. I think the only thing that you have going for the Melbourne Storm is the fact they are the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, yeah. And it's the system and it never seems to fail. Pe people keep waiting for them to drop and they never seem to. Mm. So I'm at odds to say that they will, but part of me says there's no way they can do better than they did last year. Yeah, I I think this year they'll they'll drop a few pegs. I, th I still think they'll, they'll manage to finish in the top four. Me too. The way they are. <laughs> Get the feeling they do. Yeah. They've got Brandon Smith, uh, but he'll be out for a little while because yeah. he's he did his cheek injury in the ninth. Yeah, that's right. So uh, he's an obvious weapon for them and he's going to be out. So mm. that'll be challenging for them as well. So Craig Bellamy will be digging deep into his reserve stocks, uh, of which there are many because he basically has all of Queensland Cup to choose yeah. from. In terms of how the listeners thought they would perform, likewise, 56.6% uh, said they'd finish in the top four, 50 Eight, 33.3% uh, and hardly anyone thought they'd fall out of the eight. So that sounds like it's pretty much on the money. Yeah, no, agreed. I reckon they'll be fourth. So going to our ladders, mate, you had them coming in at third position. I've actually got them just missing the top four at fifth, which goes against most of what I just said. <laughs> but my version of myself six weeks ago is nothing compared to who I am today because I am wearing um, thicker condoms these days as well. The coronavirus, mate, I'm Thanks. petrified. That's right, it's time for Multi Madness. That's right, listeners, we are resuming the feud, the monetary feud between Xander and Eamon when it comes to multi bets, giving you our version 
of uh, becoming rich overnight, uh, which has been relatively unsuccessful in the last couple of seasons. Uh, I can't remember who won last year, but it's a, it's a clean slate, and we're going to find out who, by the end of the year, has earned the most coin for our listeners. Now, we'll probably start with you, mate. I notice, I think, from looking at it, we don't converse before the show. In fact, we never talk to each other at all outside of the show. Um, you haven't told me what your multi-bet is, and I think it looks pretty similar to mine looking at it. Yep. So run us through yours. Um, so I, I picked the Eels to beat the Bulldogs at uh, Bankwest Stadium, um, and I've picked the Roosters to beat uh, the Panthers uh, out at Penrith, and I've picked uh, Manly to upset uh, the Storm at Lotto Land. That, I tell you what, those Manly odds are juicy. I've got them at you know, $2.36, yeah. and that's at Lotto Land. They've got On Sportsbet, I've got them at two twenty-five, which... You know, it surprises me. I think they've got a, a really good, a really good side this year, and the Storm are going to have a few adjustments. That's right. You'd think maybe early they might drop a few games, uh, although mm. we say that every year in Manly, and the Storm rarely do. But I think that exercises very good value. So your grand total, sir, is uh, four dollars and twenty-eight cents. All right. So Xander can stand to win four dollars and twenty-eight cents. I have gone um, a similar multi. I've gone for the Parramatta Eels to beat the Bulldogs. I've also gone the Raiders to beat the Titans. And the Seagulls to beat the Storm. I thought the Seagulls were the, the value of the round, actually, uh, giving me a total of $4.17. So coming in a little bit shorter than yours. Um, so well, interesting to see who might get an early start. You've you picked, you picked the Raiders to beat the Titans. I mean, it's a little bit like, you know, I don't know, picking the All Blacks to beat Uruguay. Can I tell you something, though? I, they're, they're my Smokies for potentially staging an upset. And I know that runs in counter to my multi, which is why I've taken an even ender. In, in reality, yeah. I've actually bet each way. But I think that um, that Raiders team could drop a game because they've got, as we discussed before, they've got a number of adjustments. So if there's, if there's any kinks to be ironed out, um, it might be in round one. And also, Justin Holbrook uh, taking over the Titans. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of great things coming out of there. And I don't think it's cynical fucking optics things either. No, I, I think he's a genuinely good coach, but I think it'll take him two to three years to get himself. Because he, he's going to have to clean out that roster. And, and You know, Ricky Stewart said that at Parramatta. <laughs> he put the eight-year plan in, fired everyone, and then fucked off to Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> all part of the plan. It was mate. all part of his plan, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I do think that like for a coach to come in with players that haven't been performing and showing any any commitment... Um, the only way is up, as Yas the, and the plastic population yeah. said. But there, there will be there will be players at that club that he would not have wanted if it were up to him. Yeah, so I think 100%. I think he's going to have to deal with that first up. Well, that's all we have time for this week, folks. Uh, we certainly hope you enjoyed your time with us today. Again, please get involved with the show and ask us anything on the hashtag AskTVT. If you do have a couple of minutes up your sleeve, it would be also great if you could give the show a rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. It would certainly help us out, and it might actually keep Xander from prostituting his harmonica skills naked in front of George Piggins. And remember, The Voluntary Tackle is the only podcast endeavouring to bring you a cockeyed take on the NRL every week using legitimate news stories that have been rolled in cheap bourbon flour and then deep fried in deadly trans fats. So until next time, just do what John Singleton would do and insist Don Burke should be the NRL's brand ambassador and that the women's game would be far more enjoyable to watch if the Big Sheilas just showed their tits a little more. See you next time.